What is up? What is up? What is up, everybody? For all the new listeners out there who do not know who I am, this is Cole Hate. You are listening to the Week 8 Recap for the All In Man Cave Podcast. Appreciate a like. Appreciate if you could review, uh, give me a good review for the podcast. Everybody out there, hope you had a wonderful Halloween. I had a great day yesterday until the nighttime uh, after the sun went down. Uh, the Vikings very bad loss this week, which you guys will hear my soapbox at the end as per the usual. Uh, we will go over the Vikings game as the last game of the recap right before the Monday night football best bet picks. But this is the week eight recap. We had a lot of good football. I uh, hope you guys once again had a great Halloween. Did some did some baking. Did some some baking of some cookies. Uh, also had some great trick or treaters out there in Eastern Pennsylvania. Went as Jason, uh, my girlfriend, and I always do trick or treat. Awesome. Uh, great to see the kids out there having fun. Uh, I remember back way back way back when when I had fun doing uh, the trick or treat thing, but. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see how this proceeds. Uh, the If you guys are familiar or have the Ring Doorbell app, people are posting all night. There's mischief going on during Trick or Treat. Uh, set up perfectly for me being Jason because if anybody would have showed up, they would have got the business. But uh, let's, that's enough, enough about Halloween. Uh, first fall holiday going right into Thanksgiving and then Christmas as well. So the holiday season has officially begun, but uh, the football season is also getting right in the midst of things. So uh, I'm going to talk about a little bit later. Got some cool stuff for you guys uh, this week. We're going to do some, we're going to do some new segments again. I'm going to, I'm going to go over my normal stuff that we normally do uh, for the midweek podcast, this podcast, but we're going to add a few things in there. So more, more to come on that, but let's hop right in to the recap. So we're going to start in Atlanta. The Panthers defeat the Falcons 19 to 13. Sam Darnold, once again, very, uh, very bad performance, to be quite honest with you. 13 of 24, didn't have a lot of passing yards, ran for 66 yards, which is pretty impressive for Sam Darnold, but he was saved by the defense. Stephon Gilmore, uh, they acquired him via trade. He made his, his, he made his might. He, it happened. Uh, had a pick in his first game starting for the for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, they played great on defense. Uh, but the big news coming out of Atlanta is Calvin Ridley. So if you guys are you guys know obviously who Calvin Ridley is, or you wouldn't be listening to an NFL podcast, or maybe you are. But Calvin Ridley, uh, big projections this year with Julio Jones departing, uh, with Kyle Pitts being drafted, should have been a two-headed monster. Calvin Ridley has extremely underperformed this season. Now, Calvin Ridley is going to take a hiatus from the football team due to mental health. Listen, I, I am not poo-pooing anybody who says that they have issues with mental health. I know that it's real. The question is, it seems like, and this is just an observation, it seems like all of these mental health issues have just like spurted all at once. And it, it just it seems a bit odd. 
It just, it just seems a bit odd. Now, don't get me wrong. Mental health is a huge issue in this country right now. It's a huge issue for human beings. Human beings also make millions of dollars playing NFL football. So I'm not saying that it doesn't exist. I'm just saying that it's a little bit odd how it's all coming out. So it seems like recently a lot of people have come out. They've talked about it. I know it's an issue. I understand that. It's about the timing that I'm confused about. It just seems like the timing is all at the... It's not one person, a month goes by, one person, a month goes by. Once again, not, not saying it doesn't exist, not saying these people are lying. It just seems like it's a little off. You know, and it's... I'm not... Listen, I you guys can disagree with me. I understand that. I get it. It comes from different, I, I struggle with mental health issues. Everybody struggles with a mental health issue at some point in their life. Overly stressed out, depression, anxiety, all of those things are real. Now, for this is the first time that I've seen in my entire entire viewership of football and anything that has to do with football news. I've followed it all since I was 10 years old, back when... Uh, on the only computer you had was an actual computer, not your phone or an iPad. So I, I get it. I understand. And, and it's just, it seems like there's a transition now. I'm not saying that the transition is sketchy. I'm just saying that it seems like all of this is happening at once via the media. And it seems like the media is kind of curving, curving the way people are bringing this, these things out. Now, you know, the NFL has a lot of input as to what you can and cannot do while on a professional football team, the gear you have to wear during interviews, how often you talk to the media, all of that, all of those things are controlled. So I just, I really hope, and I'm, I'm actually hoping that none of this is, is fake. None of it is an issue because I want everyone to be at the full potential that they can be mentally as well as physically. So off of that soapbox, what is going on with Kyle Pitts in this game? Two targets, sorry, three targets, two catches for 11 yards. I have no idea why Kyle Pitts could not get open. He could get open against anyone the past three weeks. Anybody who had Kyle Pitts this week in fantasy, I apologize. Uh, I had a lot of players on my team as well. Fantasy did not do me justice this week. The parlay bet which uh, I thought was a, a sure thing this week, the five-leg Emmanuel Cadane parlay bet did not hit. We were three for five. We missed on the Eagles, and we missed on the Tampa Bay Bucks, which we will talk about those games when we get to them in the recap. But three for five ain't bad, but it doesn't win you any money. So hopefully one of these times I'll hit for you guys. Moving on to the next game, the Buffalo Bills defeat the Dolphins 26-11. to Question posed to all listening right now. Is Tua worse than the Miami Dolphins team as a whole? My answer to this is no. I think Tua is better than the performance of the rest of the Miami Dolphins football team. And for these exact reasons. Number one, Tua has a revolving door carousel of wide receivers that he's trying to hit on a regular basis. His top three receivers have not all played in the same game since the beginning of the season. He has a consistent tight end, but the tight end himself, Mike Gesicki, is inconsistent week to week. 
And his target share is also week to week, which makes me leads me to believe that Tua doesn't trust him as much as he should. They cannot run the football. The reason they they couldn't run the football this week due to the number one due to the weather. Number two, the Bills' defense is extremely underrated. They went out and got two defensive ends in the draft. They have performed very well up until this point. The statistics for Stephon Diggs and a lot of the playmakers for that team have not been as high as people expected. So it it basically Josh Allen is playing half game manager, half big play quarterback basically he's playing like Mac Jones right now because he knows his offense is okay to win football games right now because they're carried by the defense that's dangerous that's dangerous Zach Moss and Devlin Singletary seem like they can't get into a into a rhythm on offense so that they are able to assist and help the offense in general be able to throw the football better based on the scare of the run. They cannot run the football well. They can't do it efficiently. Now it's it's doing they're doing enough right now to get the job done. But if we as we get later into the season and as we start getting closer to where they're gonna be seated in the playoffs, they're gonna be able to they're gonna have to be able to run the football. And it's it's a struggle right now because they don't know who to use the target share is a little bit odd the way it works with him and with Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. It seems like one week, one running back gets a lot of touches uh, on the ground, and then the next week, one running back gets less touches on the ground and more screen passes. It seems like they're trying to figure out what that what that chemical interaction is, or what that what that jive what what, what is that balance that they need to figure out how they're going to optimize that run game. But what do we do for what do we do with the Dolphins from here? They're one and seven. They're worse than the Jets right now in the standings, which is amazing. And I never would have expected that. That this is the the Dolphins are the biggest disappointment so far this season under Brian Flores, a defensive coach. It it's a problem. It's a problem. And and honestly, after last year, I thought Brian Flores was was a set he no hot seat he was good to go they were going to re-sign him maybe restructure a contract maybe extend him but he might be on a hot seat right now because the Dolphins look terrible and not to all their own it not to all any fault of their own well at least 100% of the fault because they've been dinged up on the offensive side and the defensive side moving on the 49ers beat the Chicago Bears 33 to 22 this honestly I've seen all of the game pass everything that has happened in terms of Justin Fields games as a starter since he became a starter this was his best game so far now they could not stop the San Francisco 49ers at all on defense so it it's a little skewed but he had 175 yards passing one touchdown one pick the pick wasn't his fault 10 carries for 103 yards and a touchdown. So Justin Fields played well. Now, on the flip side, San Francisco was carried by three individuals that helped them win this football game. Number one, Elijah Mitchell, 137 yards rushing in a touchdown. Seems like he has 100 yards rushing in every game that he plays in. 
Also, Debo Samuel, who continues to be hot this season, over 800 yards receiving. He had 171 yards on six catches in this game. And Jimmy G played the way Jimmy G should be playing in the as a professional starting quarterback in this league. Trey Lance made no, absolutely no plays. He did not come into the game. He's still probably dealing with the knee injury. They probably won't bring him in unless he comes back 100%, in which case, back to the beginning of the season, they're going to have packages for him. He's not going to come in and start a football game unless Jimmy G is hurt, and he's not. But the Bears need an overhaul. They 100%, the Chicago Bears need an overhaul, and not on the not only on the team itself to revamp that terrible offensive line. They need to, they need overall the coaches and the GM. Ryan Pace is a joke. Justin Fields needs to have a surrounding cast to help him develop. And right now, the fact that their offensive line is that bad is hurting his development. You cannot continue to do that to a rookie quarterback who has so much potential, you're going to destroy his mental state. He's going to get so defeated every week going out onto the field and completely get his offensive line being obliterated. He's running for his life. And this week, he ran for his life, but for positive yards, which I give him kudos for. Moving on, Steelers beat the Browns 15-10. to Basically, the, the biggest thing I took from this game is the Browns are physically and mentally hurt. Mentally, they're hurt because they know Baker Mayfield, their quarterback, their leader, is hurt. And they don't know if he's going to be able to make it through football games. What? You have no idea. He has a torn labrum. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And these these players on, on the sideline are completely influenced by the fact that they know their quarterback is hurt. Any hit could knock him out of a football game. And it doesn't matter if you have the best backup quarterback in the league or not, whoever he is, it's not your starting quarterback. It's not your leader. Anybody, any starting quarterback, Tom Brady gets hurt and he exits a game, that mentally affects the rest of the team. And right now they're mentally scared that Baker Mayfield is going to be absolutely lit up on one play, a random play. It, it could be everything could have went right. Every block could have been made. Every wide receiver could have ran the right route. And then he trips, randomly gets hit. Anything could happen where he could destroy his shoulder and possibly his career. But let's talk a little less about Baker and a little more about Nick Chubb and Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham, one catch for six yards in this in this game. I would not be surprised if I would not be surprised if Odell is traded by the trade deadline, which is on Tuesday. Tomorrow. It's Monday, four o'clock. Eastern Pennsylvania, Eastern Standard Time. I would not be surprised if tomorrow you wake up and Odell's traded. He's not getting any targets. There's no reason why Odell Beckham Jr. should have one catch for six yards in a football game does not make any sense. He is up. He's healthy. He knows how to run routes. Baker does not enjoy throwing him the football. And that's that sounds a little corny, me saying it like that. But he does not enjoy throwing him the ball. He didn't have any catches. He he has probably I I don't have it, the stats right in front of me, but I'd say he probably has less than ten targets in the last three games. He used to have ten targets a game and make eight of those catches. 
playing with Eli Manning. So I just don't understand. Odell's going to leave, and I hope he doesn't go to the Packers, but he might. He might go to the Green Bay Packers. He's going to go somewhere where he's going to be targeted. Now, granted, those te- the way that team needs to be set up for him, the team literally has to have nothing because he wants to be the number one tar- the number one receiver. He won't be that in Green Bay. He could be that somewhere else, but he won't be it in Green Bay. And I don't know who's willing and who even wants him because his his stock is so low based on his performance this season that I don't think he's going to want to hear what his offer is from other teams in terms of an extension, in terms of if they even want him. It's a problem. And let's talk about the Steelers. Impressive win without a kicker. Their kicker got hurt. He was dinged up. He's out of the game. They had no kicker. They were forced to go for two on every play. Their defense carried him in this game. I knew the Steelers' defense was capable of this. Now, they might look a little inflated based on the way the Browns are right now. Nick Chubb didn't have a good game. They weren't able to run the football. Baker didn't look like he was obviously 100% because he's not. But that puts a lot of pressure on your football team. If you do not have a kicker who can make a field goal, you're forced to go for touchdowns or forced to have somebody else try and kick field goals, which is not easy. There aren't just Justin Tucker, backup Justin Tuckers on every team. That's not how it works. All right, moving on. The first game that destroyed my weekend, well, destroyed my NFL football weekend, uh, the Eagles beat the Lions 44-6. to Hurt, Jalen Hurts didn't really have to do much. 9 of 14 for 100 yards passing. He had 71 yards rushing as well, but he had four rushing touchdowns. Uh, two from Boston Scott, two from Jordan Howard. Also... He had a fumble recovery by Darius Slay in the Darius Slay revenge game against his former team, the Lions. Jalen Hurts didn't have to do much in this game, and it really upset me that they decided to kick a field goal up 41-6. to We could have covered in that. I know we would have ended up losing the parlay anyway with Tampa Bay getting beat, even though we took them, well, I took them, uh, minus 4.5 in our parlay bet for the weekend. But... I don't know why you kicked that field goal forty-one to six. I just it doesn't make any sense to me. But uh, that's I'm off. I'm off that soapbox as well. Uh, Moving on, Jared Goff. Unfair criticism. Jared Goff has no one to throw to. Their team is terrible, and Dan Campbell's coaching decisions are worse than their team. He, the way he handled the end of the first half. Having 18 seconds left, not kicking the, getting the points. That it's a when you're down 17 to nothing, going in right, you get the ball at the end of, at, at the beginning of the second half. You go in with points. There's there's momentum there. You got to make that call as a coach. You weren't that far away. Kick the field goal, take the points, and give your team something positive to look it look for forward to going into the second half. And he blew it. And his team, unfortunately, made the worst decisions at the worst times. Jared Goff fumbles when they're when they're driving down the field. The fumble that's returned by Darius Slay. It's just bad, bad decisions. And their defense is bad. They're just bad. I feel bad for Michael Brockers, the best player on that defense. I feel bad for him. Because he's giving 100% effort, and the rest of the team doesn't look like they're even trying. And Dan Campbell thinks that he has this locker room. Well, if you have this locker room, it's going to be extremely hard for them to continue continuously lose games based on the fact that you make poor coaching decisions and you put your team in a worse spot. 
Now, I'm glad he owned up to it and to the media and said that he was the one who made these decisions. He he regrets making the bad decisions and he and he takes the blame for it. But your team's only going to respect you so long after you continue to do that. Next on the list, the Titans beat the Colts 34 to 31 in overtime. Derrick Henry, big hit in this game, dinged up, may be out for the season. I'm going to give you guys an update on our fantasy football and injury pod on that will come out on Wednesday. I have no confirmation right now via a credible source that it is confirmed that he is out for the season, but it seems like it's a foot injury similar to, on the flip side, the Colts with, with Paris Campbell. If you have to have surgery on that foot, you're going to be out. So we'll keep an eye on Derrick Henry, but that's going to be a huge impact. Carson Wentz's decision-making in this football game allowed the Colts to lose. He basically made his team lose. Throwing that stupid pick six at the two-yard line, throwing the ball up in the air, just letting anybody. It's similar to the Patrick Mahomes play against, I think it was the Washington football team, if I'm not mistaken, where he's just in the grasp, ready to get sacked, and he just chucks the ball straight up in the air. Carson Wentz does the same thing. You guys can check out the video if you haven't seen it, but throws the ball straight up in the air. It just gets caught by a defender, and while he walks in two yards. It, it, and then in, in overtime, he throws the ball into triple coverage. It gets picked off. They kick a field goal, win the game. It, this is going to be a huge problem. Now, if, if Derrick Henry's out, there's an easy way to beat the Titans. All you have to do is make them throw the football from the shotgun. If they have to throw the ball from the shotgun, Tannehill is not effective. Now, A.J. Brown is a problem. You're going to have to give help to him. But Julio Jones has been non-existent this season. He missed another game this week with a hamstring. Like he missed multiple games last year and earlier this year with a hamstring. But Julio is doing exactly what he did last year in Atlanta. Not practicing, and it'll be a, he'll be a game-time decision every, almost every week until the end of the season. He's just always dinged up. That's the problem. And also, T.Y. Hilton kind of dinged up in this game, ended, ended up playing. He wasn't supposed to. He was questionable to come in. He ended up playing. But Michael Pittman Jr. looks super good right now. I love his hands. He's running great routes. He's got the size. His speed, not so much, but you don't really need speed if you're able to catch 50-50 balls the way he's been able to. So I love Michael Pittman Jr. Anybody who has him in fantasy, kudos to you because I didn't see him performing this well this this far into the season. Next on the list, the upset alert of the week, which I did pick but did not put in the parlay I did put the over in the parlay which obviously hit because it was 42 and a half but the Jets beat the Bengals outright 34 to 31 anybody in a survivor league this week I saw a stat this morning when I was just scrolling ESPN 41 percent of people took the Bengals in a survivor league where you get to pick a different team each week to win a football game Uh, no spread involved just straight up this team will win once you pick a team you can no longer pick that team for the rest of the year so for your 18 weeks you have to pick 18 out of the 32 teams which is rough but any team that was playing the Jets was a pretty good call not this week Mike White the former fifth round pick from 2018 via the Cowboys is the backup quarterback filling in for Zach Wilson, who's still dinged up with that PCL injury, may be out next week as well. But Mike White, great 
week this week. 37 of 45 for 405. Three touchdowns, two picks. Both picks hit the wide receiver's hand. So Mike White playing well. Jets receivers seemed like they were able to gel with him. They were running good routes, good hands, no drops. It was good to watch. Uh, but Joe Burrow and the Bengals, welcome to the NFL, where any week a team could get upset, even when the, the cards are stacked against them or the cards are stacked for them. You can win and lose games either way. I picked the Jets plus, I think it was Jets plus 10.5 if I'm not mistaken, but I, I knew it. I knew that the, the Bengals were going to come out. They were going to make a few mistakes, and the Jets were going to be in this game even without Zach Wilson. Coming off a big win, the Bengals, last week against the against the Ravens. I knew they were going to come out flat. Jamar Chase almost non-existent, did have a touchdown catch, but only three catches for 32 yards in this game. Uh, they, they brought out their bag of tricks to try and get back in it. It almost worked, but at the end, they ended up losing, and the Jets are ahead of the Miami Dolphins in the AFC East, which is unbelievable, and I never would have guessed. Next on the list, the Rams beat the Texans 38 to 22. This game was 38 to nothing with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. Texans come back and get a backdoor cover. It closed at the Texans plus 16 and a half. Ended up only losing by 16. So anybody who took that good job, uh, I took the Rams. I took the Rams minus 14, I believe. Yes, I took the Rams minus 14. But. Two big, huge updates for both of these teams. Number one, Deshaun Watson, they came out, Texans came out, said they will not move him by the trade deadline. That is a huge, huge thing. That's huge. He's not going to go to Miami. He's not going to go anywhere else. They keep him past the trade deadline. They can't move him. So what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson? Lord only knows, but... Basically, karma came back and said, well, figure out what's going on with your your court, your 22 court cases with these massage therapists, and then we'll find out if you're worthy of playing football. That's basically what happened, karma. Also, Rams, breaking news as of today, the Broncos are sending Von Miller over in a trade acquired to the Rams for two second day picks in the 2022 draft so probably two fourth rounders if I had to guess they haven't exactly released the exact details of the trade yet but it, it that's insane the the Rams team with Stafford getting picked up in the offseason that they're the biggest winner of that of any trade that I've seen via a quarterback in a while like it's similar to the Tom Brady trade between New England and the Bucks. It, or uh, he was a free agent, but similar to that movement of a player. Matt Stafford is everything that Sean McVay wanted, everything he wanted, and he's performing exactly the way he wanted him to. The defense lost a few players in free agency. People thought that the defense might come out a little stagnant. They've been playing well over what people expected, and now with Von Miller, Aaron Donald, this is going to be a hell of a defense. And especially at this time right now, Von Miller gives them the help they need to, to win a lot of football games and potentially get a number one seed in the NFC. Moving on, the Patriots beat the Chargers 27-24. to Mac Jones, the game manager, shows up again. The Patriots, all of their success is based on whether they can run the football or not. Mac Jones is only... 
he's only expected to be a game manager, and that's why he's been so successful at the beginning of his career. They're able to run the football. The Chargers cannot stop the run. They're the worst against the run on defense. And are they struggling right now, or is this a slump? They came out hot. The team looked good. They got obliterated by the Ravens a few weeks ago, had a bye week, and then came out flat in this game as well. Justin Herbert looks confused. Now, granted, against Bill Belichick, they tried to take away everything they can, and Bill Belichick does a great job in doing so. So let's see what happens when they play a team that's not Bill Belichick or the Ravens. Every game counts as a W or an L. doesn't matter who you play against. It doesn't. The power rankings don't give you your seed in the playoffs. So wins and losses do. So let's see what happens. Now, Austin Eckler had a decent game. Keenan Allen had a decent game. The question is they they seem like they're one step behind where they need to be, especially in the past two weeks. They need to be somewhere where they can rely on the run enough to give Herbert the amount of protection via the pass to make the plays he wants to make. If you're stuck in third and longs, the play actions aren't going to work. Play actions were good for them, especially in the first five weeks of the season. The last few weeks, they've been subpar as per their running game as well for what people expected not only in production but also for fantasy in terms of Austin Eckler. Moving on, next game, the Seahawks beat the Jaguars 31-7. to Guys, do you remember that Tyler Lockett actually plays NFL football? Because he showed up in this game. 12 catches for 142. People in fantasy probably sat him, to be honest. Maybe not against Jacksonville. Maybe people didn't sit him. I don't have him. So uh, he's not on my fantasy team. So honestly, I probably wouldn't have started him this week based on his performance the last few weeks, especially with Geno Smith starting. You guys know exactly how I feel about Geno Smith. Now, I'll give Geno kudos. He played well in this football game. Uh, Two touchdowns to DK Metcalf, 12 catches for Lockett for 142 yards, but he only targeted four different people in this game. Now, probably only because they were up early and they were up big and Trevor Lawrence couldn't figure it out, but Geno had a good game against Jacksonville. Let's see if Geno can have a good game against the Packers or against Arizona. Russell Wilson should be back week 10. I think they have a bye week next week, if I'm not mistaken. So that may have been the last game you see of Geno Smith starting because Russell Wilson's supposed to be back for week 10 against the Packers. So we'll see what happens there. But if if Seattle plays a good team, they're going to lose. Geno Smith is not good against good teams. He's good against bad teams. That's how it works, especially for Geno Smith. Now, Trevor Lawrence struggled in this game. He had 38 targets to a tight, to the tight end, a kick returner slash wide receiver in Jamal Agnew, and the backup running back, Carlos Hyde. 12 targets for the tight end, 10 for the kick returner slash wide receiver, Jamal Agnew, and eight targets in the passing game to Carlos Hyde. That is a problem. LaVisca Chenault, nowhere to be found. Marvin Jones Jr., five catches on six targets. Why is Marvin Jones Jr. not getting more targets than Dan Arnold or Jamal Agnew or Carlos Hyde? It makes no sense. Not at, not any scheme something. We'll talk about scheming and game plans when we get to the Vikings game in a few games, but 
the scheme needs to be to get to the get the ball to the best receiver on your team or the best two receivers on your team. James Robinson gets dinged up in this game. We'll have an update on him on the injury pod on Wednesday. Uh, not sure exactly what's going on with him, but he left the game and did not return. So I'll give you updates on him via Wednesday. But Trevor Lawrence, man, I don't. I I think Urban Meyer is going to leave the team. Still, I I don't see him being on the team by the end of the year. They may only win one game, maybe two if they're lucky. And I don't think Urban Meyer can deal with it. And Trevor Lawrence's development's getting hurt by how bad this football team is. Next, the worst game on the slate: the Broncos beat the Washington football team 17-10. to This game basically embodied how Teddy Bridgewater wins football games. He did the same thing in 2015 with the Vikings. Defense carried him, did just enough to win. Similar game here. I'm selling out on the football team. The Washington football team, I'm selling out. I love the way this offense looked in terms of the offensive line with what was expected at the beginning of the year with Scary Terry McLaurin, uh, Antonio Gibson, and Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel, nowhere to be found this season. Don't even know what's got. It, it was a groin. Then it was a hamstring. Then it was a groin. He's had all sort of issues. Uh, McLaurin's been dinged up. Gibson's been dinged up. Heineke looks not as good as people expected him to be. Although, to be fair, most of these people projected all of this off of one game in the playoffs. A blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. That doesn't mean that Taylor Heineke is going to be the next Tom Brady because he played well against Tom Brady in the playoffs in a wild card game when he played on a team that wasn't very good. Moving on, the Saints beat the Bucks 36 to 27, another killer for the parlay. Uh, them and the Eagles were the two losses. The other three won and won quickly. So I was pretty hyped, but at the end of the day, it didn't work out for us. So I apologize if anybody lost money on that. But uh, Tom Brady, two picks, one fumble lost. Looked like he was all out of sorts. The New Orleans defense just has the Bucks number. Even before Tom Brady got there. Before Tom Brady got to Tampa, the New Orleans Saints always played the Bucs well and always played them super well, especially on defense. Now, the thing is, Trevor, so Trevor Simeon enters the game. Jameis Winston came out today. I'll ruin a little bit of it. But uh, he's feared to have a torn ACL and MCL issues. Uh, seems like he's going to be out for the year. They have videos of him. Uh, on crutches in the locker room. So uh, I'll give a definite answer on our Wednesday injury podcast, but if he's feared to have uh, a torn ACL, and if that's the case, he's going to be out, which means they basically have Trevor Simeon unless they want to use Taysom Hill as a quarterback. Now, you pick your poison there. Trevor Simeon played for the Vikings. He was a backup. Played a few, came in for a few games, not very good. Played for the Broncos most of his career uh, before he was replaced. But Trevor Simeon or or Taysom Hill, pick one. I don't think Taysom Hill's a quarterback. And I don't think Trevor Simeon can get you over the hump. Now, their schedule is relatively favorable moving forward, which leads me to believe that they can get wins in this, in this schedule because a lot of the teams they got to play are not relatively good, so they can squeak these wins out. They're definitely going to be up for a wild card spot in the NFC. I don't see them overtaking the Bucks to win that division, but, but they're definitely in within the wild card spot, within the grasp of it at least. 
All right, and to the to the final game on our slot, the Minnesota Vikings get embarrassed at home by the Dallas Cowboys and Cooper Rush. Cowboys win 20 to 16. Cooper Rush looked good. Now, either Cooper Rush looked really good or our defense looked really bad. I thought the defense played well actually. I watched the whole game beginning to end. I thought the defense played well. Daniil Hunter dinged up, might have a torn pec. If he has a torn pectoral, he will be out for the season. Going to be a huge, huge impact on our defense, as well as Patrick Peterson not in this game as well. The Vikings' defense was a joke against these wide receivers. Seven, eight, nine-yard cushions off the off the bat. It, it didn't make any sense. It's almost like they had like a key to win the football game that didn't make any sense and it wasn't the right key. So you're playing you're calling the wrong plays based on what intel you have that is wrong. It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing to watch that football game. And everything that everybody said before the game it, it happens all the time. I'm a Vikings fan. I understand what disappointment is. Everyone's like, "Oh, Dax out. Let's take Minnesota minus 3." No. No. Just because he's out, we lost to Andy Dalton last year in Minnesota. Like, why? what? <laughs> like, I just... It, it, people get super hype when, when they find out Dak's out, but you got to realize the Vikings team is in a close game. It doesn't matter who you play. Every week this season, they've been in a one-possession game by the end of the football game, except for... Maybe you would consider the Seahawks win. We won by 13, but still they had a they were in position to go down and get close with like five to six minutes left, and it didn't work out. And then we ended up scoring late in garbage time. But every every week, every week it's the same shit. Now the refs impact in this game on both sides, not just for the Vikings, also not just against the Vikings for the Vikings as well. The referees, now listen, I've heard a lot of people complain about referees, and I've seen a few bad calls, but I haven't watched a football game, whether it be a Vikings game or not, where I've seen a lot of bad calls, but in this game, there were a lot of bad calls. There was offensive pass interference not called on the Vikings. There was offensive pass interference not called on the Cowboys. There were a lot of roughing the passer calls that made no sense. They're literally defenders just tackling the quarterback. Make no sense. You had a lot of weird plays where our corners were in good position to make plays. A ball bounces up in the air and their receiver catches it. It, it just There's a lot of weird plays in this game. And honestly, kudos to the Cowboys for winning. Kudos to Cooper Rush for coming in and performing. But Kirk Cousins cannot continue to get blamed for this. The offensive scheme, whatever the hell they called that, the offensive game plan, whatever they they tried to dial up in this game was terrible. Dalvin Cook, 18 carries in the whole game. He caught two passes for not very many yards. Justin Jefferson, four targets in the whole game. Now he dropped two of them. But it doesn't matter. Trayvon Diggs was not on him every play. Don't come out here and tell me that Justin Jefferson wasn't targeted because he was against playing against Trayvon Diggs. Bull. I watched the game. He was on Anthony Brown. He was on other corners besides Trayvon Diggs. Trayvon Diggs was on Thielen. He was on KJ Osborne sometimes. So don't give me that crap. I don't want to hear that. And Kirk Cousins cannot be blamed. I, listen, 
I was the biggest Kirk Cousins hater the minute we signed him for as much as we signed him for. I was the biggest hater, and for the first few years, I wanted him off my football team. But it's not his fault. It's definitely not all his fault. Now, granted, you can you can ding Kirk Cousins all you want for him playing in primetime. He's not good in primetime. I get that. I understand that. And you can ding him up for that. Go ahead. Call him out. I'll agree with you. But you cannot tell me that this, because Kirk Cousins is not, Kirk Cousins is not Patrick Mahomes. Kirk Cousins is not Tom Brady. And he was never, ever like Peyton Manning, where you he they literally make the play calls. The scheme the Vikings run is called by the offensive coordinator, called by Zimmer. He can only audible out of so much. The offensive line, once again, subpar. Now, there were some great blocks by Christian Darisaw, our first-round pick from last year at left tackle. For Dalvin Cook running the football, he had some big plays. Why did we stop running the ball? I'm confused. The defense had three sacks. They had a pick. They had a fumble recovery. The defense did as much as they could. They played well, even with Daniil Hunter getting dinged up early in the football game. DJ Wanham comes in, replaces him. Everson Griffin had a decent game. We stopped the rushing the, the rushing attack of the two-headed monster that the Dallas Cowboys have in Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. They only had 77 yards combined rushing. Missed tackles, missed assignments, balls that are thrown directly in your chest and you're not making the catch. This all affects the outcome of a football game. It makes me sick. I'm, I, should be, I should be used to this. I should be used to this because this is a typical Minnesota Vikings season that people don't understand. This is how it goes. It's always a close game. There are no blowouts. I cannot remember the last blowout the Vikings had. I honestly can't. And it was probably at some point last season, but I can't remember because every game seems like it's to the wire. Every single game. And the special teams this week, great. Three for three on field goals with Greg Joseph. One for one on extra points. But you got to cash out. The play calls were bad. They were bad. And all the play calls for the Dallas Cowboys were good. But we couldn't make we couldn't make plays. The Cow the Cowboys defense is real. Micah Parsons, as wrong as I thought I as right as I thought I was about him being a little bit overrated, Micah Parsons is the real deal. Making plays all over the field. Trayvon Diggs gets dinged up at the end of the game. He played a good game as well. But the Vikings need to figure it out because, yeah, they're three and four, but the there is a mishmash everywhere in the NFC right now. There's teams everywhere that are all lumped in the middle to play for three wild card spots. That's hint hint. That's what one of our one of my new segments is going to be on Wednesday, where I see these teams at and kind of lumping them together in terms of like a tier system. But it's a problem. It's a huge fucking problem. So it it just it we'll see what happens next week. We play at Baltimore. It's gonna be it's gonna be a big game. Vikings need to figure out how to win next week and figure out how to win against the Chargers. Because then we gotta play Green Bay twice still. And we gotta play San Francisco. And we gotta play a lot of these teams that are gonna be in this NFC hunt, this NFC wildcard hunt. It's gonna get real. And, and and Zimmer's on the hot seat. The coaches are all on the hot seat. Clint Kubiak, offensive coordinator. The defensive coordinators are relevant because it's Mike Zimmer's defense in quotations. So Zimmer and the offensive coordinator, Clint Kubiak, are going to be on extremely hot, hot, hot seats. They basically should basically get ready because the seats are on fire. And, and this team needs to figure it out. 
I'm frustrated. I'm always frustrated as a Vikings fan, as are most of you probably with your teams, depending on what team you guys like and how long you've liked them for and what where their current standings are. But you get frustrated with your team when you know they're better than the way they are. And that's just the way it is right now. That's literally the way it is right now. And that's all I have to say on it. So let's see how they come out next week. They looked like crap on offense. Justin Jefferson, no targets. You go down the field again, first drive, get a touchdown, and then it's just flat. It's just done. They get complacent. They're not, they're not, they don't play good enough to win, and they didn't deserve to win. Although it would have been nice if they did. All right. That ends the recap. Monday night football best bets for the picks for this week's Monday night football game with the Chiefs against the Giants. Got nothing with the spread here, nothing with the over-unders here. This is all player props. So if you guys want to make a quick buck, I'm going to try and see if I can get all these in a same-game parlay. But number one on the Monday Night Football best bets is Daniel Jones over 256.5 yards passing. I see him having a decent first half to get those yards up there. I think the Chiefs pull away via my preview segment, my preview pod. Last week, last Friday, I think the Chiefs cover the spread at 9.5. It's now up to 10.5, so I'm not too confident with 10.5 versus 9.5. But I see the Chiefs getting up, and if the Chiefs get up, they're going to have the Giants are going to have an ability to get there in terms of garbage time. And I think Daniel Jones is going to find some people late to cover that number. So I see the over of him 256.5 in terms of passing yards. Next, we're going to go to the running backs, both starting running backs in this football game. Daryl Williams for the Chiefs, under 59.5 rushing yards. The Chiefs aren't a consistent running team. Patrick Mahomes always ends up making the plays, even when they're unsuccessful or if they're successful. I don't see him getting to 60. I just don't see it happening. And they're going to use, I think they're going to use multiple running backs in this game as well. So Jarek McKinnon might get involved. They have some other people that they might be able to get the ball to in terms of end arounds with McCole Hardman and Tyreek Hill, which obviously helps the running game uh, and keeps the defense off kilter. So I don't see Darrell Williams getting to 60 yards rushing. So I'm going to take the under. Uh, On the flip side, Devontae Booker with Saquon Barkley being out again this week. Devontae Booker over 47.5 rushing yards. The Chiefs defense is horrible. Now, I think they're going to play a little bit better this week. However, I think Devontae Booker has over that number because he's a solid back. And I think that they're going to use different running backs in the backfield in terms of pass catching ability, and I think he's going to get most of the carries. So do do your best bet. If he if he has twenty rushes, all he's got to do is get two and a half yards a rush. I think that's not too much to ask against a piss poor Kansas City Chiefs defense. So I'm taking the over for Devontae Booker rushing yards at forty seven and a half. And then the last one, because I always do four for you, Travis Kelsey over six and a half receptions. This number is extremely low. The Giants defense is very bad against tight ends, opposing tight ends. Travis Kelsey has more than seven receptions in most games that he plays. He had less than that last week because they were blown out and he still had six. So they were getting blown out and he still had six receptions with Patrick Mahomes playing awful and their offense being terrible last week against the Titans. So I think that that is a complete lock at Kelsey over or Kelsey at least seven receptions or over six and a half receptions. 
All right, guys, that is going to wrap it up for the week eight preview. Uh, Hope you guys, all your favorite teams out there got victories. All you Jets fans, good job. All you Lions fans, get ready for the first team to be 0-17. Probably not going to happen, but uh, you can always wish. Uh, that you're just your team is the first team that went 0 17. Honestly, it would piss me off for the first nine, but after that, it would just be like, eh, whatever. So we'll see what happens. But I appreciate all you guys listening out there, all the new listeners. Thank you so much. All you repeat listeners, thank you again and again for supporting the podcast in terms of listening to me talk. I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Any comments, any, any ratings, five star review. Uh, anything that you guys can do to help support the podcast. want to make it the best it can be for you. So shoot me a message on Facebook. Shoot, shoot me a message on Facebook. Cole Hate, C-O-L-E-H-A-Y, D as in dog, T as in Tom. Uh, any feedback that you have for the podcast, I would really appreciate it. Uh, please tell somebody, whether it be a coworker, a friend, a family member, anyone you know that would enjoy a sports podcast, mainly the NFL. We're going into the end of the World Series as well. Uh, Tyler and I should come on and make another podcast before the end of the MLB season, but we may or may not be able to do that. So we will be doing some end-of-year stuff, hopefully. Uh, Going over some some statistics. Sorry about that. And just to project a little bit of how we look like going into next season, maybe some rule changes, some stuff that he's seen because he's the MLB expert. Um, So we'll we'll get him back on as well as doing a little bit of football with him too because we love having Tyler on the pod. So uh, thank you so much, guys. Really appreciate it. Hope you guys have a good rest of your day. And like I say, until next time, which is going to be Wednesday for our injury segment. (laughs) 